This episode was brought to you by Celebrations, Celebrations at Carlisle. Carlisle. One of Australia's leading craft beer bottle shops. Retailers, retailers. Retailers, craft. They do craft. Um, lots of it. Stuff you can't get anywhere in Oz. Where can you get it? Celebrations of Carlisle. Ah! Oh! They've also got beer sticks. I buy them all the time. Now, if you mention our name, you'll get 15% off mixed six-pack. How sweet! That's Beer Sucks, 15% off. Craft. Mixed six-pack. Number two, Wright Street. Celebrations at Carlisle. They've also got takeaway pint bottles from their 11 times. When can I talk? Shut up. No. This is a public service announcement from Hamish from Rocky Ridge Brewing Company. Step one. Hayes boys of the world unite. Stand tall. Stand together. Prepare to fight your way to the front of the line to get yourself a fresh can of Peach Invasion. That's right. Peach Invasion is coming back for a limited time only. Apparently not. I think it might actually be core range now, but who can tell? Come and get it from this Friday. Rocky Ridge Brewing Company. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Beer Sucks. I'm Brendan, and as usual, we have two lovely co-hosts, Tim. I'm here, and I thought I was going to introduce us, but that's cool. Nah. Nah, I made that up. You got fired from that. And Adam. Hello. Hi. Yeah, I'm just going to keep it nice and quiet today. It is very... It's a very early morning, I think, <laughs> Morris. It's already, it's already begun. Already right. begun. Um, well, it's pretty cool, given that it is 8 a.m. in the morning, that we've got an awesome guest on today. So, Paul Holgate from Holgate Brewery. G'day, boys. How you doing? Good, man. Yeah, How well, are mate? you? Good. Feeling well, especially this early in the morning. Excellent. I mean, and, and this far away from home as well. Yep. For you, three, this is three like... Three hours difference. Yeah, I was going to say, for you, this is like 11 a.m. Yep. This is just a walk in the park. Walk in the park. Been yep. up since... Uh, 4 a.m. local time. Far out. Yeah, it's early. Oh, it's just like Marzen <laughs> on our last episode. He <laughs> forgot to, to take flight mode off his watch. And then I rocked up at his hotel room to do this. And he's like, you're fucking seven hours late. We're like, what? <laughs> he's like, I forgot to take my, like, my watch off flight mode and woke up at 2 a.m. And he thought, he thought it went ahead by three hours as well. So he got up at 2 a.m. thinking it was... 5 a.m. Melbourne time, thinking it was 8 a.m. our time. I was like, that's yeah. not how it works, man. That's Marzen yeah. for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Overprepared. Oh, extremely. He had yeah, seven hours to sit there and wait while he couldn't sleep due to jet lag. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Uh, he still had a good time. Yeah. So and we hope you do as well. Yeah, what's been happening since last time we caught up anyway? Man, I've actually had a fair bit of time off. I hurt my back in the gym, as you two know, trying to get healthy again. Um, it's been a part of my reduction of booze intake. So for Paul that doesn't know, I'm doing four days a week, booze-free. Um, wow. Good He's luck. an idiot. Yeah. yeah it's, well, it, no, it sorry. Can... <laughs> um, good health decisions. <laughs> nah, idiot. I'm, I'm <laughs> okay with that. I've, I have a couple of alcohol-free days a week, which means around about one or two pots is yeah. an alcohol-free day for me. Yeah. That kind of works. When you're only having like a tasting then you're like, nah, it doesn't count. It doesn't count at all. Technically not. No. Yeah. Can't and do my job if I'm not having a, a, at least one. Exactly. Well, I was going to say, that's how you can tell you're talking to industry people because they're like, yeah, that's my booze free day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's sensory. <laughs> <laughs> and non booze people, like, I had a, such a big weekend. I had like two pints. Oh, <laughs> fucking wrecked. <laughs> Poor man. 
<laughs> Sensory evaluation is the best part about it. You're like, it doesn't care. It's yeah. all fine. Uh, I research. need to do this. Yeah, research yeah. and development. Yeah. Is it tasting well? I'll have to check again. Check again. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Palette's off this time. I just had a Qe and a coffee. Yeah. <laughs> Not at the same time. Okay. Uh, what have you two been up to? Oh, man. It's just, I think I had a little bit too big of a, a weekend, I think. So, yeah. It is a yeah midway during the week right now, and I think I'm still slightly dusty. So thanks to turning 32, my body is just not recovering the way it used to. Yeah, uh, you don't bounce back anymore. This is no, the uh, I don't bounce at all. I no, just fucking no. Splat. <laughs> Man, you're like somebody whippets at 32. Jesus, when oh. I was 32. I had two babies and a business. And um, well, I was going to say, you would have been two years <laughs> and into a, a brewery. And working another full-time job as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I am just whinging right now. Yeah. Yeah, well. <laughs> oh, my resolve has just been brought to the forefront. Yeah. I mean, and this is the second week, second episode in a row um, where yep. you've had a fucking massive weekend and been hung over midweek still. The well, other one was, was your birthday. Yeah. And then I had a friend of mine's birthday this time. So you got to go out and you got to get around the lads and probably got around a little too much. Great. Yeah. Without having a dirty feed before I went to bed. Ah, oh, that was your, that was your mistake. No late night burger or kebab or lasagna and topper. And no lasagna topper. Yeah. They're the worst. I, my, my like gas station secret shame is um, chicken din sims. The, the round ones, the deep fried. Yeah, we know we've been over this. Yeah. So I was going to judge you for judging him because... That's just as bad. Well, I mean, even <laughs> I have my limits, you know. A chicken, <laughs> chicken dim sim, the, the thing that looks like a pale fried scrotum. Yes, that's yeah. the one. Yep. That's not you can't go past a kebab. You can't go past. But it's you shouldn't do it. And every time you wake up in the morning, you feel the shame. I shouldn't have had that 1am kebab. Yeah, you at the time, it feels good. But yeah. When your whole house smells like garlic, garlic sauce. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Especially like you don't when you taste it. Because you've already eaten. You've already drunk too much. You've already had dinner. You don't need a 1am kebab. <laughs> yeah. But that's the best part about like going to Melbourne and Gabs or Good Beer Week is that it's late night ramen. Late night ramen. So it's mostly soups. It's liquid th- anyway. Your body's used to consuming liquid at that point. See, that's a treat for us because everything in Perth shuts at five o'clock. So at <laughs> one o'clock when we're over for good beer week, yeah, uh, we, we can like watch, go and get one or two a.m. ramen. Yeah, we don't watch, have yeah. to have kebab. We get to watch a good friend of ours <laughs> eat a ten egg bowl of ramen. <laughs> Literally, shout out to Robbie. Um, he yeah, asked for more eggs, uh, and they came out with more eggs. What and an animal! Was like, I asked for twelve, and they just kept putting more in until he was like, "Yeah, thanks. Wow. I've never seen anything like it before in my life." I'm just glad I wasn't sharing a room with him. Yeah. Oh. I was sharing an apartment with him, but that's okay. <laughs> that would have been one. He's a special individual. Gassy apartment. <laughs> Lovely. Um, thanks for coming on, Paul. No worries. Uh, as as you said, at 32, you were working really hard. Um, I haven't stopped, actually. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were working really hard. You've kind of like taken the foot off the pedal a little yeah, bit. Mate. Yeah, um, I probably should have used quite. present tense. <laughs> Um, so, so did you guys start the brewery when you were 30? Yeah, around about 30, we sort of um, started the business plan, which was uh, in uh, 97. We started putting together the business plan, had the idea, the dream, the vision to do what we were going to do. And um, it was probably two years later, uh, end of 99, when we had actually um, come to fruition with a brewing plant in place and started making commercial quantities and started selling towards the back end of 99. So... At that time, we had um, a one-year-old daughter. 
we were a one year previous to that we were touring New Zealand looking at looking at brewing equipment and looking at breweries. We had eight year old daughter then, eight week old. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so then and it all just snowballed from there. So Tash, my wife and business partner, she often says we've got four kids. Firstborn is the brewery. Oh, sorry, firstborn is Emily. Um, in, uh, in 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 '98, uh, secondborn was the brewery in uh, in '99. Third uh, born was our son James in 2000, and the fourth born was our hotel, tourism, retail business in 2002. That's crazy. So um, yeah, so by the time we were you know 32, it was all all going along, and life it got crazy, and uh, yeah, has not stopped getting more crazy by the year. Well, that, that's pretty hectic. I mean, I it think, is. you know, even a two-year timeline to get things into action is probably pretty short given that you and your partner were both working full-time Yep. Um, leading up to that. And on a shoestring budget as well. So, it literally was basically uh, loan some money from the bank against our house. Um, yep. Yep. Our house is still held by the bank of securities. <laughs> I haven't managed to get that off the, uh, yeah. off the security <laughs> list as yet. So, um, um, still in it, ball to the wall. And um, yeah, so it was a pretty, really, really shoestring budget compared to, um, you know, managed to over the years get some runs on the board and um, then uh, uh, get some more money off the bank. And we've attracted a couple of other um, investors along the way, yep. um, friends and family to put some money up. So um, that's been um, that's been handy. So um, and um, put together a big budget to do some uh, really good things there for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Uh, we're massive fans of what's coming out of Holgate. Exactly. Um, awesome. It's, what's What's amazing though is the fact that the was it the Keatings Hotel. Yep. So that was originally what built in what eighteen ninety six. Yep. And that's now the home of Holgate right now. Yep. That's incredible. Sure. And it's a great great building. When we we first put the brewery in the back of our property, um, we just got a small small a small property um, near the edge of Wood End, and we put a shed up and put the brewery in there, um, operating it part time. So. I was working a day job in Melbourne, so um, we're brewing on the weekends, bottling on the weekends. Midweek, I'd be cleaning kegs, come home, feed the baby, um, have dinner, go back out to the brewery till 11.30, wow. cleaning, cleaning kegs or racking off kegs, and then get out in the morning and do it. So I did that for three years, and then for three years, I was totally wrecked. So we were looking, and our whole business plan was, let's just see if we can make this work, if we can make some decent beer, and um, then we'll decide to take the next step, or we'll just, you know, we'll have a have a big homebrew kit in the back shed. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so yeah, so we we went ahead the next step and looked around for somewhere to move the brewery to to become a tourist destination and somewhere to call the house of Holgate. Back in those days, there really was no craft beer industry. Um, in fact, the word craft wasn't even being used. Yeah. Um, we were called microbreweries. No one was using the word craft then. Um, so it was very difficult to get your beer in anywhere. People just wanted to drink the mainstream, the VBs, and so on. So we knew, following the I suppose following the US brew pub model that. Um, great model to have your own outlet. So we were either going to build a build a greenfield site somewhere in the area where we lived, and that's why that's why the brewery's there because that's why I grew up nearby and um, and uh, that's where we lived. Um, or look at look at a suitable um, venue. So this one came up in the middle of town, beautiful old building. There's been a hotel on the site since the 1860s, and um, uh, this one, the pre former one, burnt down, and this brick one was built in 1896. So it's a double double red brick, uh, double story um, hotel, ten accommodation rooms. It was the Cobbon Coast stopover to the Bendigo Goldfields. So basically it was one back in the day, it was one day stagecoach journey from Melbourne to Woodend and then they'd stop, rest the horses, rest the travellers, everyone stay upstairs. Next day, another day's journey to the goldfield. So our hotel was the was the um, the stopover. Um, and therefore it's a big block of land next door with the with the stables and so on, on there. And that's one of the reasons why we like that building too. 
um, because the land at the rear was um, we earmarked for future expansion, which mm. is now 15 years later when we first took over that pub, we actually are doing that big expansion. But yeah, the hotel's fantastic. So originally was um, the commercial hotel. So um, that's what its original name was. There was a Keating family who took it over in the early 1900s. They left in the 1940s, I think. Um, but it still continued to be called Keatings, um, and um, and we've just changed it to people just call it Holgate Brewhouse now. Wow, far out! That's a pretty massive crazy. journey. Oh, exactly. Especially considering the fact that you know you are also brewing, you're brewing the beer on site, as well as your wife is also looking after the hotel at the same time. So it's just you guys are just go 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 seven yep. days a week. Yep. No, that's true. Um, but we couldn't do it without great staff, and um, you know, we we were. If I was still just on the floor brewing, if my wife was still doing shifts like for eight years, Tash did, um, she worked all week um, in, um, in uh, admin and um, marketing and, um, and, and managing the money, more importantly. Otherwise, we, we would have gone bust if she wasn't managing the yeah. money. <laughs> so doing a, doing a full, work, full, um, full week and then um, backing up on the restaurant floor Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday lunch. And she did that for eight years. Um, but probably about five, five years ago, um, um, she... Um, obviously we need to spend more time with the kids we've got to make sure we don't get burnt out so we can continue to be in this industry long term so um, we now got um, you know venue manager and um, I've got a team of brewers around me we've got sales staff and so on so that that helps out um, taking the heat off um, us to be you know at the venue and, and being the face of the venue as well so with all that going on how do you find time to make your way over to sleepy old WA Oh, it's very difficult to make the time and um, it literally making the time literally comes with um, uh, working on the weekends and catching up with emails and a lot of other stuff I've got to do mm. on week day, weekends and weeknights. So, um, yeah, but it is important. I suppose we, I personally haven't spent enough time out in the market the past few years because I've been doing a lot of um, the back-end project work in putting together funding, putting together um, the, new, the new brewing uh, plant and equipment um, in terms of um, seeking them out and searching and specking it up, as well as the building projects, so working with uh, council planning, working with architects, and then the last 18 months working with the builder for actually putting that project together. So rather than just going and renting an industrial space somewhere, we decided that we wanted to have um, our production brewery on site with, yep. our, with our home of Holgate, with our tourism site, where we've got our tap room, our accommodation, our restaurant, and everything all on the one site. But that meant um, that we also had to raise money to build a building. Um, and we had the vacant block of land there. So I think it makes long-term um, sense, but difficult in the short term because we've got to take on a lot more funding just to just to do that before we even got the brewing plant in. So, um, yeah, it has been difficult to make the time with all that sort of stuff going on, but it's important um, to get out of the marketplace and I'm trying to do that uh, more. Well, we're pumped to have you over here in, in Perth uh, and we're lucky that we could squeeze in your time knowing that in the back of your head you're going, fuck. I'm hanging out with these dickheads. Yeah. I could be answering fucking these emails. These guys are talking about chicken dim sims. And <laughs> I've missed about 13 phone calls during that anecdote. No, but I got to say that um, one of the one of the joys of the industry and one of the reasons I like it is actually um, kicking back and having a beer and talking beer stuff with people. And we we're just saying last night that the industry really is a club. Wherever I go around the world, I do a lot of beer judging. I've been judging in Japan. I've done three uh, World Beer Cups in the US, so going over there and again in May. And just talking beer with people um, all around the world, it is it is a club wherever you go, um, and it's good fun meeting people and having a chat. So that's one of the one of the joys of the industry, and I wouldn't get that in um, in a lot of other industries. So yeah. you, you don't. The industry really is second to none, um, and I don't know if I've said this on the show before. I fell into the industry. I was studying preclinical human biology when I got into the industry, 
uh, my current partner thought I was going to go and study medicine because that was the plan. Um, so again, <laughs> sorry, baby. Um, <laughs> oh, uh, I, I fell into it and I love it and it is largely because of the people into it. Um, but yeah, I'd have a sit down chat with her at one point and go, when we first met, you thought I was going to be a doctor. Now I'm a fucking idiot who just loves beer. Um, is that okay? Um, luckily, I have her support, but it's also because she recognises how, how good the industry is as well. So it is cool to see and, and to do stuff like this. Yep. Awesome. And you don't have to be an idiot to love good beer too. So. No, you don't. You <laughs> can do it all. intelligently as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We don't, but you can. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I wanted to touch on um, when you mentioned that you were brewing beer literally in the back of your own house. Yep. Was that legal? It absolutely, 100% was legal. Great. So we had He's a... winking um, at us, but no. That's <laughs> no, we had a... Um, um, we had a permit from the uh, local shire council for a um, cottage industry to operate a cottage industry business. They had a they had a permit for that. Wow! Um, and um, that's how we did it. So um, they've been very supportive in that respect way back. I think um, there was uh, uh, I can't remember there might have been a might have been a young guy on the um, on tennis team I played in who was a young planner and he somehow slipped it through. But um, what no, a guy. it was all it was all, <laughs> it was all, it was all above board. Um, not ideal running a business from your from your home, and um, you know that the whole business does intrude on your on your family life, which is one of the downsides. Yeah. Um, one of the biggest pains was the wastewater. We're on septic there, um, yeah. so basically oh. I had I had two big rainwater tanks um, installed next to the next to the new shed we put up, and um, all the all the wastewater uh, went to a pit and was pumped into them, and then I had to get it uh, pumped away by um, by a, a wastewater sewer truck. Yeah, right. That is not cheap. At all. No, it's not cheap. But you know what was really interesting? A few years ago, when I was in uh, in the US, I think what I mean, uh, oh, which which Bill World Cup I can't remember, went to Lagunitas, and they also had massive, ginormous um, wastewater holding tanks, and that's where their wastewater went. Really huge ones, um, uh, fifty thousand liters or hundred or whatever. And daily, these big trucks would come and cart it away because they just couldn't process wow. it on their plant. Oh. Yeah, all right. What would they do with it? <laughs> Well, they'd get. I don't know. They would, they would have to take it to the um, to the local treatment area, yeah. but though obviously there was no no facility for them to um, to dump it down sewer at that particular spot. I don't yeah. know. But it's this special. is Lagunitas. I yeah. mean, they're one of the biggest. And they Absolutely. Were, they were yeah. pumping it away. Well, yeah. they, they were t- trucking it away. Yeah. So <laughs> you're like, maybe we weren't that crazy. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking, way to go. Someone else has got a good idea. There. <laughs> it is California, and the water shortage there is incredibly fierce so yeah. they're not getting rid of anything at all whatever we can use is going to be used here. yeah yeah all right guys we'll be back after a message from one of our sponsors sponsored content hey brendan did you know the dutch trading co has been voted by beer and brewers magazine number one in wa for a craft beer venue and second nationally i didn't how did they win that i have no idea because they're heaps tops do you think it's because of their modern gastro pub food probably do you think it's because of their 300 bottle beer selection are they rarely seen in australia they are oh my god do you think it's because of their 22 taps dude definitely do you think it's because of their pinball i'll tip my trilby to that dutch trading code 243 albany highway victoria park see you there uh-huh. Boom, 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 table beer. Now pouring a DTC in collaboration with Indian Ocean. So come on down and get 2.8% of Table Fury. Get it in your mouth because this bad boy is now a permanent feature on their 22 taps. 22 taps? 
Oh my lord. $12 jug, so you can drink shitloads. Launching on the 7th of April, this is going to be completely permanent alongside one rotating tap of cider, Prosecco, and apparently gin. gin. That's right, gin on tap. Gin, wow. My goodness. Man, I'm going to drink so much of this table beer, it's going to be fucking sick. Yeah, no shit, it's 2.8%, so that way you're going to be standing upright the whole day. Awesome. Yeah, table beer. All right, guys, and we're back. Um, so touching on that development of that site um, that, that you guys have done, yep. look, it's something that we've talked about in a few episodes because we've had some questions about um, um, government grants yep. being given to breweries. Yep. Um, and, and we're vocally all for it um, when it means giving a hand up to the little guys who are doing yep. really, really, really cool stuff for the yep. industry. Um, do you want to just give us a little bit of of information about that process for you and sure. uh, what that's meant for you and what that's um, allowed you to achieve. Yep. Well, it's meant a lot, a lot, a lot of paperwork, a lot, a lot of yeah. weekends <laughs> sitting on the couch uh, writing applications and yep. um, a lot of heartache dealing with um, with uh, state government and so on and so forth because it's um, quite a political process and um, a lot of um, a lot of red tape to cross um, and things like that. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know the basis on the other grants you're talking about with yep. other people. So we can mm. perhaps touch on that. But ours was a tourism grant. Yep. So we were given money for 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 tourism. Well, in fact, we weren't given money. You have to you have to spend the money first. Yeah. And then they'll give it back to you later on. Yeah. So they don't sort of talk about that up front. Um, you go into it thinking they're just going to write you a check and away you go, and that's what people think. Uh, absolutely, and you have think, to come uh, money. Well, you've got all this money. You've you've done that with the money. I said no, I haven't even got any government money yet. That's all what I've just raised myself through other means. Yeah. Yep. So um, we don't get the money until then. But yeah, no, I've been um, you know searching for ways to raise funds for a lot of years, um, and um, obviously avenues are money from the bank. Um, uh, doing a doing a um, some some sort of class of share issue and getting more more partners more shareholders in and another one is to search out government grants and so on so I've been looking at government grants for a long time I've applied for quite quite a few of them um, one of them you know um, they I think was in between the change of change of government they um, they they withdrew the um, the whole scheme and we'd spent wow. months and months and months on it and spent a lot of money on it um, and then they withdrew the scheme. Um, through a change of government, so I was pretty ropeable and um, and uh, took um, the local minister task and gave him dressing down. I think that probably helped in a way when another scheme came up a couple of years later. We were more or less tapped on the shoulder to say, uh, "Why don't you apply again for this one?" It's yep. not really not really being um, ad- advertised. Um, so essentially, it's a it's a t- tourism grant. So part of our build is um, as as we sort of mentioned earlier, we're putting in a. Um, in a um, state-of-the-art um, uh, production facility um, adjacent to our existing um, hotel and pub brewery, if you like. Um, and so the building will be produced in sort of two halves. You've got a rear industrial section and then the front section facing the street. It's all one building all the way through, but the front section facing the street, beautiful architecturally designed building with um, glass frontage. So that'll be a brew house showroom. So a new brew house will sit square there facing the street. And next to it will be, um, a, we're calling it a visitor centre or beer and brewing discovery centre. So uh, the government grant for tourism is basically um, funding towards um, towards that that building um, and the brew house showroom and the visitor centre. So the visitor centre, the the whole whole idea is that um, it will a double as a um, as a accommodation um, check in because we've got ten accommodation rooms for our, our t- tourism business, um, and at the moment people have to come into the bar and check in on a busy Saturday and Sunday our place is heaving yep. um, so that's you know 
it's a bit rough. Bit rough. Um, not really great customer service. So we're we're improving the quality of um of uh, of the tourism offering um, by having um, accommodation check-in in the um, in the new visitor centre. And people will also then be able to. We've got disabled lift access there, crossing to the new into the old pub building. So there'll be a bridge connecting the new the new visitor centre building and the existing um, hotel. Awesome. So there'll be a sky bridge. So visitors and check-in people checking in can walk across if you like a sky bridge or a catwalk, um, open air on either side, looking into our whole brewing brewing plant. That's they can amazing. See it all going on. The big brew house there, the bright tanks, the centrifuge, the tank farm, the High speed pack line that all be there laid out as they as they're walking across this um this uh, walk bridge into the old, old building, so that's uh, part of the visitor centre is getting disabled access in there, um, doubling up as our accommodation check in, and um, basically it'll be an education centre. So what we're what we're trying to do, um, and we're looking I suppose for ideas of anybody who who's got some good educational ideas, but we're trying to use it as a, a place to educate um, the average consumer about about good beer. Um, how do you make beer? What are the raw materials? Because as you guys all know, um, the um, the average average mainstream beer drinker probably knows more about winemaking than they do about w- where beer comes from. Yep. Yeah. They know that you use grapes to make wine. And you can ask them what are the raw materials to make beer and they probably don't know. So the visitor centre is not really pitched at, um, at uh, the converted. It's not pitched to the home brewing guru or the craft beer connoisseur. It's really pitched at um, at the average punter who wants to learn something about about uh, beer making, so just what are the raw materials basically? Mm. Um, tasting some raw materials, smelling some hops, perhaps some um, audiovisual displays, and so on about um, beer and brewing, about the history of brewing, about history of Holgate, um, and there'll be there'll be some taps there for a tasting experience, obviously as well. Um, and the space obviously, be, yeah, and they have that tap beers <laughs> everywhere. Space will be um, used for. Um, um, you know, we're doing some launches and functions and things like that. So it'll be great little little additional space for our business. So you'll be able to have a beer and the uh, beautiful German brew house um, right right next door in your Fantastic. face. So it's going to be going to be awesome. So that's so that's the the, the grant going towards that. Um, but to get that grant, you know, we we've had to demonstrate we're going to spend a lot more money than what they're mm. they're giving us. Yeah. So it was rumored so, to be upwards of around eight. eight oh, million. not quite that high, but not far yeah. off. Um, yeah. So um, six six plus. Um, wow, and um, and that's because we've got to build that building. Yep. and yeah. these buildings don't come cheap. And, and it looks yeah, absolutely incredible. And so. and and you've only seen it when it was twelve months ago. So now when yeah. the new front piece is coming along, it's just going to be fantastic. Um, yeah, look, it is a risk. We're we're spending a lot of money on infrastructure. Um, where a lot of our our competitors and new new players in the game um, are spending a lot more money than us, probably on um, on uh, marketing and branding and um, getting the beer out there more. So I suppose we're setting ourselves up for the long term um, yeah. and um, um, to be able to produce on that site for the next 10, 20 years. So the system and the way I've designed it, because I've traveled around the world looking at a lot of breweries and a lot of way workflows and things like that, we can just keep adding on fermenters right. um, and just keep on driving our, our volume there. So um, we've basically secured our future of production on our, on our own facility. That's beautiful. That's really good. Um, something that a lot of people don't really look for. They don't really want to hold. Once they've had their, their main brewery, they don't necessarily want to go, no, nah, we definitely want to want to be here. Yep. Um, you know, they look for other off-site locations. I think obviously with Nail and Feral teaming up, they yeah. this is their third location they brewed out of where they currently are. And yeah. I suppose part of it is the cost because um, you can just go and rent somewhere, um, Dashville State, you know, probably rel- relatively cheaply. Um, there's no real industrial states around our area, um, and um, and I suppose for quality of life, this is where we live in Wood End. We yep. raised our family there. I want my brewery to be just down the road from me. I can walk to work in in uh, 20 minutes. I can jump on me 
on me deadly treadly be down there in, <laughs> in two two minutes um or it's a you know one minute drive so it's awesome to have our facility right there where we are um and um and the local people living there just just love the fact that they've got a brewery in their town um and um and what we're doing and we we you know we're one of the major employees in the in the area now combined wow. combined um tourism and um and and brewery so um so yeah um we're not making um not making a lot of money but we're spending a lot on wages <laughs> So, and that's something that we, we that's something we touched on in the in the previous episode uh, was how much money. <clears throat> Bloody um, fantastic um, beer, by the way. Thank it's you. Awesome. This is like literally one of my favourite. So the is that, is is Boon? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Black label. Black label. Black so label. This is, uh, this is their first edition as well. Um, it was. I, I've searched for this beer hind line. And Tim has right. found a shop that has some of these on the shelves and he won't tell us where it is. What, no. what year is it? Uh, 2015. Okay. Awesome. It will go up to allegedly 20 years and I'm sure it will go beyond that. So, yeah, so we're going to touch on some sour beers later on in the uh, in the show. Oh, oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So, where, where did we get to with the government grant? So is the, that... The government grant well, and the tourism sort of aspect of it. Yeah. So, you know, um, I'm not too sure over in Melbourne, but I know over here we are extremely, extremely limited in terms of having, yeah, so zero breweries where you actually have uh, a premises to stay on site. So, you know, like hotel breweries where you actually can stay. Yeah, can even go Melbourne, and, you know, yeah, not, and not many people. I don't think around Australia I've seen many breweries right. that have accommodation there where you can stay. Yeah. So we're unique, unique in that in that respect, um, and um, and that's that's awesome. We we love our building, love our hotel, um, um, so it's great great to have that. And also, I suppose part of the part of the tourism. I mean, we've got to guarantee to the state government. I mean, this this money doesn't come for free either. So it's one and a half million dollars, by the way, that our state government are going to give us once we've spent the money, spent the money we've raised from somewhere else, and um, <laughs> and uh, finish the project, and then we get the money back. Right. Um, so we're halfway through that. So um, part of the part of the our deal is we've got to um, spend the uh, spend six million or whatever it is, yep. and also Whoa. we have to we have to put on um, fifteen jobs. Wow! So yeah. fifteen jobs is not a small thing. No, it's huge. Per year. Fifteen jobs yeah. over and over over three years. A massive for an outer regional area yeah, or in the sure. regional, however you want to call it. Yep, a regional area We're regional. such as you, yourself. Yep. yep. Um, investing back into that community. Yep. Um, is just huge. Yep, huge. So and and also part of it is that we um you know the tourism aspect is that we will be um um I don't watch what the correct tourism technical term is but spreading spreading tourists into the other 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 regions around central Victoria as well absolutely so people come to us we're looking to create a um uh, called a corridor craft beer trail is what I termed it in the application where you've got um you've got uh, the Shed Shaker Brewery at Castle Main on the train line you've got Brooks in uh, Bendigo um trains go straight through to Bendigo you've got Bandicoot up in Echuca, um, two Brack breweries not far away. So one of the ideas we're looking to create um, a uh, an awareness campaign through a craft beer trail that will be, um, I suppose, focused on our visitor centre and from there spreading spreading people around the place. Also, our area is beautiful, cool climate, um, Pinot Noir growing area, some fantastic local wineries around the Macedon Ranges area. Yeah. Um, a lot of mountain biking and um, you've got Hanging Rock right there. You've got um, cyclists coming in every every weekend. A um, lot of lot of shops and businesses, you know, a lot of little villages around area. Our area is known for little villages. Yeah. So 
bringing more and more people in to Woodend um, because of the promotion of, of our um, our brewery also spreads that money around other businesses around the area. Mm. Absolutely. And I think just to drive that point home that Lesky was kind of making, um, we don't have any of that beer tourism in, in WA really at all. Market um, River, surely. No, Market it's not, it's not being promoted at all. <clears throat> it's not there. It's, it's a wine region. They just still call it a wine region. We have a lot of fantastic breweries down there, as you'd know. But I mean, even closer to Perth, um, there's a lot of good breweries out in the Swan Valley now as well, um, which is a cool little area, and that's not really being promoted as a beer tourism destination either. I think in Vic you find the same. There's not um, the, the areas aren't really fully promoted as beer tourism, and even our area, it's not. I'm trying to do it yeah. off my own back. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's what, what was I'm, so great about that's what uh, I'm trying Queensland to do. Queensland coming out, so Queensland yeah. Premier was coming out and saying, look, we are noticing that you know, that there is a potential for beer tourism and we are, you know, now that everyone's kicked up a stink after they support a brew dog coming. Well, is that the only reason why they suddenly noticed craft beer is because... Absolutely, Pretty yep. much. They wanted to give a bucket full of money to brew dog. We, yeah. we would all... Oh, a bucket full of support, apparently. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I it had, the it had nothing to do with them choosing Brisbane over... No, they said... Over oh, technically, New, Newcastle. Brewdog, Newtown, yeah. brewdog have said Newcastle. if it was just based on cash, they did would have they gone choose, to South Australia. Did they choose... Brisbane over Newcastle, or did Newcastle reject Brewdog? I don't know. Whoa. I'm a cynical bastard. Good spin. Yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> I don't think that spin. Yeah. I was, just, I was just in Newcastle uh, last, oh, yeah. start last week. So Something. could this yeah, be right. some industry goss? Industry goss, I'll tell you off there. Yeah, well, that's, yeah. well look, it's crazy because, you know, ultimately, you know, one thing I did want to want to ask was, you know, like I, a lot of the a lot of the local Queensland brewers – uh, you know, we're rightly up in arms by Correct. these guys actually coming in and getting the actual support from the local government. Do you actually think that having a, a large corporation like Brewdog coming in is actually going to help bolster the sort of, um, you know, like the, say, the brewing industry within Brisbane? Or is that just going to be just sort of a a little bit too much of a, a large thing for those guys to handle? Having such I a suppose it's hard to tell them. We're all, we're all, all, all speculating. And, and I suppose one, one reality is that... Um, the craft beer industry definitely probably has increased awareness to the um, to the masses through um, the um, spending, the marketing power of the big guys like like the creatures and the squires and Matilda Bay. So we, I, I don't think we can ignore that. Um, so potentially the same is from is for Brewdog. But on the other hand, you know those those little breweries in um, in in Brisbane and in Queensland and um, a lot of a lot of the, um, uh, uh, I suppose, original starters like ourselves and Goat, who are up in Brisbane from from a long time ago, also we help create the market there. Yeah. And um, and so these guys, in some ways, are gonna are gonna swoop in and, and take advantage of it, and you know potentially put a lot of pressure, price pressure, or other um other market pressure on the um on the little guys that um they'll become less profitable or or have to close down or whatever. So, um, you know, it's it's um, I mean, Brewdog are a behemoth. They're huge. Mm. Yeah, I don't really understand what their interest is in coming to a country that's fragmented over a population of 25 million people over this huge continent. I just don't see the point of it, to be honest. Yeah, I, I think the argument can be made for them coming over. I mean, again, just to touch on that grant topic, though, I don't see the point in giving somebody who's got that much money, you know, and a, a grant to invest in the area, I think they were going to do what they were going to do regardless. Correct. And that's why I, I kind of made that point earlier. I'm so for giving startups um, and smaller breweries grants who are going to grow, reinvest in, you know, their hometown essentially. And it shouldn't be, it should be Australian-owned businesses for starters. Absolutely. So what, why do governments 
I mean, there's, you know, the Victorian government gave money to, um, is it Red Dot or one of those guys just to export beer, like Singaporean Red Dot Company. Wow. Right. And they've got a contract facility or facility down in Melbourne somewhere. Yeah. So there's a lot of money like that floating around we don't know about. And mm. I don't I know why governments are giving money to these these guys who have got money and they're not Australian owned. Yeah. Um, why aren't they giving it to home homegrown businesses? So, you know, we're we're already employing, you know, we've got forty people on our books. We're yeah, already right. spending wow. over two million dollars in wages. <clears throat> um and I'm just an That's average huge. I'm just an average salary earner myself, I'm not taking home any extraordinary package or anything like that. So, um, you know, we're doing the hard yards and so we're so grateful that um, the government have recognised, have been going for 20 years, one of the early pioneers, that um, recognised that um, we're worthy of some money. But then surely there's other other equally worthy businesses in um, Queensland or Tasmania that, you know, they could give money to other than um, people who don't need the money, like Brewdog. Well, absolutely. And sorry, Tim, Pirate Life's probably the other example. I think they were going to do what they were going to do regardless of what they may say especially with, you know, their financial backing now. Yep. Um, and then Big Shed got a, a, a low-rate loan or whatever it was. Um, I think they would have used the money far better than Pirate Life would have. It would have definitely would have meant more. But Pirate Life always had um, financial backing, so yeah. um, they, I, weren't, they weren't a small business. They were, they were backed no. by um, private equity. So they had big money coming in from, from day one. Private equity. They, were, they were built to sell. Yeah, absolutely. But I guess you now take that to the nth degree. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it is hard, but good to see, I think, at least from my personal point of view, when these stories do go to the battlers, essentially, the guys that we want to see um, achieve and have that chance to grow. So, that's really cool. Absolutely. And then the point I was going to touch on was that was what we were discussing with Martin when he was on uh, the last one was um, that it's not small- shy, Martin, is he? No. no. Fuck no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fuck no. It's, it's nice and refreshing um, <laughs> when you get slapped in the face. <laughs> uh, he said that uh, small breweries or, or craft breweries or whatever you want to call us, independent breweries, we employ far more people per per litre that we brew Correct. than any of these much larger operations yep. do. Um, and as you and I were discussing off air about CUB getting that grant down in, in Cascade, you know, a million dollars in for them to spend $10 million. And Marson dropped a dropped a bit of knowledge bomb and he said for every million litres, CUB or these large, uh, I guess the duopolies, they employ one person. So what's your capacity at Holgate at the minute with operating with with 40 staff uh, on your books? What's your what's your total brewing capacity? So um, right now we'd probably um, have a capacity around about a million. Um so the 40 people aren't all obviously involved in beer production or beer selling. Yep. So there's a lot of people involved in our hospitality side because we have a whole team of chefs, head chefs, shoe chefs, kitchen hands. We've got venue manager, front of house, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So I've got four brewers. Yep. Um, wow. Two admin, myself. Because we're still spinning our wheels on our original brewing plant. So the original brewing plant we had in our shed, um, that's <sighs> what we're actually using still. Wow. So it's... we're filling 100 heck fermenters on, on this little brewing plant. Oh, <laughs> what's the, so the, boys what's are, the size of that? The boys are spinning their wheels. So it's actually brim full, the kettle's 1,550 litres. <laughs> For a low ABV beers, we um, we do a high grab and um, can turn out 2,000 litres. Um, oh, so, it's... But I made a decision way back that um, with the size of the brew house I wanted to get, so I wasn't going to go and upgrade to a 25 heck or 30 heck. So I'm going to wait till I can upgrade to the size I want to upgrade in the future, which is a 50 heck. So it's when, when we were in 2012, 2011, planning to do our first big ferment upgrade, we had just three single batch fermenters at that stage. 
which were you know 1800 liters so we went to 50 heck fermenters then and just recently part of this new upgrade we've done some hundreds as well uh, with the view that back in 2012 i i look forward and said when i put a brew, new brew house in it's going to be 50 heck so i'm making my new fermenters multiples of 50 heck yeah even though for quite a while i'm going to be filling them on this <laughs> tiny little freaking kettle and the boys are, i'm so so um um so you know uh proud of our boys um they're working their asses off um brewing that, that little thing we have we have supersized it while we've got steam um there running hot, hot water continuous steam and so on so um and um we got a heat exchange that heat the wort from the mash tun across to the kettle yep so we can get through three three brews in a day um and keep the wheels going but it's you know the light can see the light at the end of the tunnel with the new uh, brew house coming in soon still a hard way to yep. brew 4500 liters yep oh yeah <laughs> whereas uh, as soon as you have that 50 heck oh wow that was easy we just brewed fifteen thousand liters of beer <laughs> yep um no that's terrific but uh, that's the other thing that you point on is that you're a tourist focused not tourist focused but it's also an element to your business and that's why you guys got the grant it wasn't yep. just to produce more beer for the sake of producing more no beer. It, was, it was the grant was a tourism grant yeah it came from 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 the tourism coffers um and it, and it was a competitive grant so um we were competing against other businesses around victoria yeah so there were some some locals who were saying well why don't they get that money why they should have been putting money into the roads just here this road needs to get fixed or this or that and the and the fact is if we didn't get the money, it wouldn't have gone to someone else or some other infrastructure around Wood End. It would have gone to another tourism business in um, Myrtleford or Warrnambool Absolutely. or Mildura or somewhere like that. So it wasn't about they were looking to give some money to infrastructure in Wood End. They were looking to spend money on tourism. Mm. So, Look, and I think you're always going to get naysayers who are like, oh, why didn't we get this or that? Yep. But um, yeah, I'm pretty I'm, cut and dry. Absolutely. I'm just so glad to see it being reinvested into a community. Yep. The way these things should work, yep. you know. At, at the end of the day, those grants are all of our money. Yep. It, it comes from taxpayers and income tax and, and all the rest. So I'd, I'd love to see it be reinvested like that. Yep. Yeah. So just touching on one other thing that's potentially going to be being increased regarding this. Yep. So your potential for a sour and barrel age program. Yeah. So or what have we got? In plans at the moment, continuation of continuation, continuation of yeah. yeah, continuation of yeah. Look, that's our program. I suppose is a is a um, it's sort of something that has sort of uh, evolved. Um, back in the nineties, when I was home brewing, um, and I, I often tell a story when I started home brewing in the early early nineteen nineties, when I was you know around about twenty or so, and a lot of people in those days who were who were getting to home brewing too, there were no there was no internet. Actually, yeah. was no internet. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Um, the, <laughs> So the beers, the beers you could actually buy on the shelf to, if you wanted to buy something alternative to mainstream, the beers you could buy on the shelf, um, the um, the books you could get about beer and brewing, and I had a photocopy of a photocopy, were all European-based books. So mm. we didn't know nothing about the US, US hops, US industry. There was nothing like that known in the you know, 1990 sort of thing amongst general home brewers. So we were drinking and brewing under European traditions, so British ales, Belgian ales, German wheat beers and so on. So that's how we're sort of – and a lot of that sort of flavour probably still comes through our beers, although I love American hops. We've got American hop beers, fantastic, love it. Um, so one of the first beers that we released um, was an um, English-style ESB, which we continue to do at Hand Pump in our pub yep. today. And one of them was a Belgian wheat beer because I got into brewing wheat beers in the 1990s. I was working for a Dutch company. When I was over there, they got me onto Hoog Garden. Um, so we rolled that into our first. That was so those two beers were our mainstay of our business for a few years. We weren't looking to be crowd pleasers in those days or anything like that. We just brewing beers that we like to drink, really, and we still are today. So starting off with those Belgian beers, like um, like the um, um, the wit beers, uh, we sort of rolled on to doing some specials like the um, Abbey Ale, the Double Trouble, and so on by the 
by 2004, I was making um, um, Double Trouble, the a- a- Abbey Ale. Wow. Um, and then that rolled on to um, making um, some higher versions of that, so some some quads and um, and yep. uh, Belgian quads. So started making Belgian quads and then um, um, barrel aged them. So I got some Pinot Noir. We're in a Pinot Noir area. I suppose one of my things is always about uh, provenance. So I like to try to use things that are local. So um, I'm I'm always saying, oh, what do we, why should we be using um, um, American bourbon barrels. I know it's cool in America because they've got a bourbon industry. There's heaps of bourbon barrels around the place, but I'm in Australia and I'm in a Pinot Noir area, so let's use what's local. So we use Pinot Noir barrels. So we started aging um, the um, the uh, quad in in barrels, um, which is our Beelzebub's Jewels. And after we'd bottled one off them in all these barrels sitting around, so what are we going to do with these barrels? And the boys were saying, let's do a sour, Mr. Holgate. Let's do a sour. And I'd say, nah, sour, jeez. <laughs> Don't want to ruin any sours. I mean, what, what does this even sour taste like? I spent that that bloody hard sweat and tears over the years, blood, sweat and tears, trying to keep these freaking bugs out of me beer. And every time I smell a lacto, I'm like, oh, send shutters down my spine. <laughs> Fucking hell, I've got to dump another batch. So um, so I was, wasn't, I was drag kicking and steaming into making a sour and, um, and I wasn't really across it. But I had a I had a I had a uh, sour epiphany, yeah. Um, and um, and and we got we got cracking um a few years ago. So the boys at the time were were keen on doing it. So we had these barrels laying around. So we just started um just started playing around with some sours, and that basically led into um led into our, our sour program because we were already doing barrel aged beers and Belgian beers because of the history and how our business business had had evolved. So. We're doing. Um, we've got an entry level kettle sour out, which is the hop tart, um, uh, beautiful beer. Yep. We um, we've got two um, two other sours. We call the yin and the yang. We've got the sour brett ale, which is 100% fermented in the stainless in the in the brewery, um, and that's out. We're releasing that um, uh, late summer autumn. So the 2018 has just been released, and we've just been showing that around Perth at the moment, and. Um, we've noticed that's really matures with age, so um, that's one of the things we've been we've been learning. So uh, we're advising people we put put a couple down um, and store them cool, mm-hmm. um, not uh, cool ambient, not not refrigerated, so that'll help it help it develop. And then in the September time, um, so pre spring, we're releasing a a, a red a red um, Flanders red style um, mm-hmm. sour bread. So that's a wild. So that's all all um, soured in the barrels. Takes twelve months. Um, we've got a house mix of various bugs going on in there and wild yeast. Um, and we sour that, and it's just yeah, awesome, tasting fantastic. This was Crafty Pints beer of 2016, was that right? <clears throat> yep, I believe it was. Wild, wild red, yeah. He, yeah. Gave, he gave us some favourable reviews against um <laughs> against Rodenbach and so on. So um, I was, I was going to ask, was that your epiphany <laughs> beer? Because that was definitely mine. Uh, the Rodenbach, oh, yeah, yeah. Look, it probably was, and I can't remember what what it was. But I tell you, I can remember I can remember what happened. That my epiphany beer was um we were doing a Holgate tap take over at Cookie. And Great I couldn't even venue. say the year. It might have been 2014 or something like that. Yep. And we'd had a lot of our big hoppy beers all day um, and um, it's a fantastic event and so on. And then end of it, we were um, we're taking the train down, I think, myself and uh, Mrs. Holgate. And we were <laughs> um, we were uh, going to say, let's just stay on and have a, um, have a little meal here at Cookie. So we sat out, sat out in the balcony, summertime, overlooking, overlooking Swanson Street there. Yep. And we really needed a palate cleanser. After having all these big hoppy beers, yep. we really needed a paddock cleanser. So we said, you know, it's, and they had all these sour beers, and their menu was fantastic. So we ordered one, and I can't remember what it was. It was it was more like uh, one of these um, oud goozers. Um, yeah, yeah. So it was more like that sort of style, and that just hit the spot, cleansed their palate, and um, just tasted tasted beautiful. And I can remember a few years earlier tasting one and tipping down the drain, saying, "No, nah, I can't drink that." 
So um, <laughs> that was uh, that was how it sort of evolved. And now I'm the biggest fan. I smell these these beers and slight saliva glands start um, start uh, trickling away. <laughs> Absolutely, and, um, it's just awesome. Yeah. It's great that you also remember that as a moment rather than a specific beer as well because that's what we try and promote as well. You know, good beer is not just about the beer. It's definitely about these moments yep. and sharing it and those it's, experiences it that is, you have those beers the with. The experience is the key. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Like you can have a beer on your own and a beer on your own is, you know, it can it be can really be great. quite nice. Yep. But when you actually share that with good people and you yep. actually get to share, you know, that experience, that's what really makes it become, you yep. know, lifts things to the next level. Yeah. But I remember also, um, and when we decided to do it and we were going to do this in our brewery, I said, okay, I've got to research this in a big way. So I did a lot of reading, a lot of research. On one of my um, World Beer Cup trips, we um, was with a few other Aussie brewers and we went into um, Russian River, oh. got the uh, got the tour from Vinny, which is fantastic. Asked him a lot of questions about um, um, keeping, keeping him separated, if you like. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, it was some some good info, and um, a lot of that stuff's in uh, you know in the in the books in the literature as well. So um, yeah, it's been it's been a combined effort. Um, the Holgate Sour, Sour Program. So um, it's something that um, that you know the boys love doing. Um, we love drinking, and hopefully the public out there like the beers too. So far, so fucking good, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, can I quickly ask what part of that research led to you guys buying photos? That's the wrong brewery. <laughs> we don't buy. We don't have photos. Yeah, that was misinformation. Oh, okay, because yeah, I, I got did told. the old Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah, fake, fake, fake news. news. <laughs> now you're probably thinking of. I'm suggesting you're thinking of my old mate Benny, uh, Benny Krauss up at um, up Bridge at Bridge Road. Roads. Okay. He's got he's got photos. Yeah. So we don't have photos. Um. So we're using Pinot Noir barrels. Yeah. But at the moment they're still in our in our brewery. Um. But as we grow and put more fermenters in, we'll have to move them somewhere. I'm not sure where. While we were doing our construction, we didn't have any room. We, the whole site was wiped, except for our little pub brewery. Um, so we were storing them um, off-site in a disused um, abattoir, um, and it was all like old cool rooms, and there was no power, and it was dark, and it was really creepy going it's in there. It was fucking hectic. And it was really cold, and so <laughs> yeah. they just took a long time to sour. And yep. um, so we sort of um, had a, had probably 18 months between the release of the our first um, Wild Red Ale Vintage and, 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 and the second one. Mm. Um, but um, yeah, but that was crazy times too when we, when the site was demolished because we were we were using that land and the old stables for um for um various things keg washing and so on. So we were like all our bottling equipment was sitting out in the rain and this sort of stuff oh, was wow. crazy. Yep. But through all that now, <laughs> thank God for that. All right. Um, look, we did discuss it in the in the car, and we've only got a few minutes left to go. Um. I wanted to get your side of the story of the Great Northern debacle. Mm, um, Great Northern Gate. <laughs> it definitely blew up online. Massively. Yeah. Like for for that thing to come up all over a lot of WA's people radar, it's blown up. It's yeah. blown up. I think his up. ego was just um um softened a little bit and that's why he sort of went the long handle. Yeah. Uh, at the time I think he actually um we think it was done at three o'clock in the morning or something. It definitely was. Um, and um, there were about f- four different versions came out with correcting all the um, spelling, spelling and grammar <laughs> and so on. So yeah, look, it was pretty annoying and pretty stressful from our point of view. We don't need to have that sort of stuff aired out in public and that that sort of thing. But um, uh, I suppose from our, our point of view, you know, we've got um, we've got uh, hand pump beers, um, and at our at our venue, we've got twelve taps to fill. Um, it's a tourist venue. We've got some heritage Holgate brands like like the ESB. It's a true tourist draw card. People come expecting to have a Holgate ESB on, on hand pump. Absolutely. Um, we've got small fermenters like a thousand liter fermenter that does ten kegs. 
Um, so some of our some of our hotel taps, our Holgate tap room taps, are filled by doing special brews yep. and some of those heritage brands on on these small fermenters. So we're brewing really limited limited amounts of these beers for essentially for our pub. Now some venues um, desperately want to um, have that beer on their on their hand pump, and that puts us under a lot of pressure to um, to uh, get that beer up to them and not let our own pub run out and so on. Um, and for for customers that um, really support us um, and have other beers on tap, we'll we'll bend over backwards to help them out. Absolutely. But for customers who don't support us um, and don't have any of our other beers on tap, having having um, taking away stock that we need for our pub and having a really slow moving tap is not actually supporting us. No. The words that we use that you know that venue was supporting Holgate for seven years. Well, having one slow moving tap. Um, is not supporting us and we need that beer to support um, our own venue yep. and other people who are supporting us. So we just don't have the volume of that beer to offer to everybody. Yeah. So it only goes to those who are actually giving us right behind us 100% support. So that was the discussion up front when that I personally installed that beer engine, it was my beer engine. Um, so um, um, that, um, that discussion was up front and that never happened. Yeah. So and um, we we were bending over backwards to help a number of people out, um, and those that didn't support us, we had to we had to withdraw the beer. And it's completely understandable. I think Feral's probably the prime example of that over here. You know, only a certain number of venues get Tusk, which is their massive double IPA. Yep. They do twice a year, release it fresh on the day. Um, only venues that support them throughout the year kind of get that. And it's it's not about a sales tactic at all. It's about supporting those venues who yep. who support you. Correct, um, and it's so also about to tying up. It ties up the time of myself um, as the CEO and owner of the business of my head brewer of my logistics guy and doing the scheduling and planning. It's tying up heap of people's time to satisfy um, uh, one very, very, very slow moving tap yep. who doesn't support us when we need the beer elsewhere. Yeah. So I mean, when you say very, very slow, are you talking like a keg every two weeks? You talking a keg every four weeks? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Two to three weeks. Yeah, which is pretty down, pretty down slow, and and it has to travel a fair distance for that. Is it just the one keg that they were they were getting at a time? Oh, I, I I don't even know to be honest. It might have been, <laughs> been might have been a couple. Um, but um, you know we um um, you know we we need to reserve that. We don't have much stock of that beer. I mean, as I said, we're brewing it in ten ten keg lots. Yeah, yeah. So um, you know, we just just it's really just for us at our yeah. pub. And um and and for for those um those people who are who are supporting us with having our other brands on. Absolutely. Look, we are gonna wrap it up there, otherwise you're gonna be late for your first meeting of the day. Uh so thank you so much for coming out and uh indulging us dickheads. We cool. really appreciate it. That's been fun. Awesome. Thanks so much, cool. Thanks, Paul. Thanks guys too. Cheers. Drink of that new DTC table beer? Hmm. Hmm. Come on down, baby. The water is fine.